Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to tonight's show. Uh, we have a lot to cover today. I will have a special guest, Kyle Yeomans from DallasCowboys.com, joining the show here shortly. And we have a lot to discuss. There's a lot of things to talk about today. You know, some pro day updates, the number change, uh, you know, conversation that has come up. You know, how the Jets trade may affect the Cowboys draft plans, who might hop in front of them to derail some of their draft plans. And, you know, that sort of thing. So lots to talk about today. And we're going to get right into it, guys. So if you guys have any questions, make sure you keep them coming in the chat box and we will get to them as they come along. So let's go ahead and get into the stream here. What is going on, Kyle? How's it going, Joe? Glad to be along with you here uh, on what is a what is what is today? I'm even lost track. I'm just <laughs> counting down the days till the draft is really what it is. Yeah, for real. It's it's April six, right? And it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm the same. I'm like we're we're already in the draft month, so it's it's awesome. I can't wait. I mean, we're now weeks away instead of like you know sixty five days away, months away. We're finally on the homeward stretch. You know. Yeah, twenty three days from today, and the fact that like nobody really knows what's going to happen at at pick number ten for the Cowboys is just as stressful but also exciting <laughs> i think oh I think yeah the fun part about the draft is that you don't really know what's going on so yeah i, I mean i'm excited along with really draft nation cowboys nation to, to figure out what's going on and we're trying to do our best over at the website but man it's, it's been a lot a lot of fun and i can't wait for the the next couple of weeks oh yeah absolutely absolutely so i imagine you know being part of the mothership as they say there's not much you can divulge as far as even like articles that you write, right? Because it's like you don't want to drop too many uh, breadcrumbs and that sort of thing. So that must be a fine line for you guys, right? Yeah, it's tough from time to time. I mean, we have a pretty good relationship with with the coaching staff and the scouting department and, and even PR with that point. I mean, it kind of gets into that, that mode. But whenever you're kind of balancing your work life with the front office, sometimes it can be tough. Uh, I mean, of course – I mean, as soon as I see something, I want everybody to know. I would love for Cowboys Nation to know, but I know that's also not how it works. Oh, yeah. uh, so there's a lot of holding back and, and a lot of uh, avenues you kind of have to take through. And, and it, it's been that way for forever. I mean, if, if you think that's a new thing, that's not the case. And if you think the Cowboys are the only organization that do that, that's not the case either. It's across every professional sporting uh, sporting franchise at, at any sport, doesn't matter. It's like that pretty much everywhere, but it does make it a little bit more fun because, well, you you've, you've got that uh, you've got that extra step, but you got to find a way to to kind of leak it out to to the not even leak it out. That's probably the worst way to say that. I could get in trouble <laughs> for that, but uh, but but just be able to kind of portray that information as you go along. Absolutely, absolutely, and you're right. I think other teams do do a little bit of that, right? So. I think that's part of the intrigue, part of the drama that really makes this the, a big event now for NFL. I think, you know, they're really, you know, seeing this as an offseason Super Bowl nowadays. It's a big old event. You know, coaches come in. It's a fully, you know, produced show now. So, I mean, they know what they're doing, right, Kyle? I mean, they stretch this out to three days now. It used to be <laughs> what, like uh, – you know, not that many, what, two days or something? Yeah. One day? yeah, it used to be just a couple of days, really, is what it was. And and, and you're right. I mean, the way that they've been able to sell the draft and, and, the, and the intrigue that really is around it is phenomenal. And you could say the same thing about the whole draft process. I mean, think about the right. combine. And yeah. I, I got to go to my first combine last year, right before the COVID shutdown. And 
uh, like having those conversations with those who had been there previously, they're saying, man, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought that the combine was this big of a show and that it was this televised and this media covered, but, but you have a radio row for the combine. And we were of course on that radio row, but it it really is phenomenal the way that the league has kind of grown and and the way that the draft has grown along with it. And I've always been a draft fan. That's the thing. Like growing up in Waco and and being around the NFL, I was a huge college football fan, huge Baylor football fan. And, like growing up down down south in Central Texas, I loved the draft. I always loved it, and so uh, to be a part of that process is pretty special. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know it's just built into a lot of us are just like diehard into it. You know, you have like I wouldn't say there's casual fans, but there are right, and then you have the ones that that follow the team all the way through the draft and. You know, they're really they want to know everything, you know, who's visiting uh, and the pro days, too. I think like I feel like this year feels like the, even the pro days are getting more attention, you know, yeah. you know, scheduling in an NFL network. You're seeing a lot of these pro. Days. I, I think it's a lot of fun. But, yeah. uh, Kyle, I just wanted to pick your brain on a lot of topics here. And we'll have, you know, comments from uh, the chat box that we'll we'll place on the screen. But, man, first of all, shout out to you. Appreciate all the work that you do on DallasCowboys.com. And thanks for doing this with me. You know, I, yeah. I'm kind of just an up-and-comer. Kind of, I'm just trying to find my spot in here and for you to, to join the channel. I really do appreciate that, Kyle. No, Thank absolutely. You. And, and it, you, along with really Cowboys Nation, has the best coverage. It really does. I mean, that's the thing about – being a part of the the dot com media team is it's it's special for me because growing up a Cowboys fan it was it, it, it's a dream come true and I I know there's a lot of bloggers and 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 video personnel kind of like yourself that are getting in and, and grinding I can see that I mean I can see it in your background right there you're grinding along <laughs> yeah trying to uh, to fix it up so yeah I'm I'm always happy to help and I, I respect the grind always awesome thank you Kyle. So um, anything from the pro days uh, that, that really uh, stood out to you as far as like, you know, what the Cowboys, you know, may be looking. I'm, I mean, not, I'm not asking to, <laughs> to reveal anything, but, you know, I feel like, you know, in McCarthy's uh, press conference, you know, he, he said, well, don't make too much about me being here, but not over here. And, you know, do you think there's some uh, smoke and mirrors that goes along with that as far as like, well, maybe we really want J.C. Horn, but let's make it seem like we want Sertan. Do you feel like maybe that's even part of this whole intrigue? It's always going to kind of have that tongue in cheek. And it's always been that way because not only is it hiding, you're, you're trying to hide things from the media and from the, the draft personnel, but you're trying to hide things from other teams more, more than anything. You're trying to kind of not show your hand, especially when you're in a premium position like you are with a 10th tenth overall pick. Right. I still, even with that being said, and you mentioned it earlier, just with extra eyes on these pro days and with there not being a true NFL combine, I think you can read into it a little bit more than you you did in the past because, well, of course, coaches didn't really travel. I mean, they they travel, but not to the extent of what they have this year. I mean, you look oh, at yeah. McCarthy, he's, he's been on a world tour whenever it comes yeah. to the, the nation of, of NFL draft prospects. And, the one that really kind of stuck out to me was Kentucky. Like the fact that he went to Lexington and was there in Kentucky and and something that kind of caught me off guard. And you're right. I mean, there's there's Alabama that he did go to. He did not go to South Carolina. And, and there's so many different things. But the fact that he showed up at Kentucky was was intriguing to me because I was thinking, who 
who could it be that the Cowboys would be targeting there? Because it's not going to be any of the wide receivers. It's not going to be any of those. I don't think the the DBs out of Kentucky. I think it's Jamin Davis, the Man. linebacker from Kentucky. Um, I think he's he, one. He's kind of a late bloomer whenever it comes to the draft process. I even I didn't have him in my top eight. I had him as thirteenth overall for the draft magazine. Uh, whenever I release that that list, but I see him climbing right now. I have him at nine. And he's right around that that 44 range to where he could be there for the Cowboys in the second round. And I think with that, it's it's intriguing to me to see where he could potentially land if maybe he is there at 44. But at, at least with the way he's climbing up draft boards, it looks like he's going to even be a little bit higher. But even with the, the traveling to these pro days and, and having coaches on site with boots on the ground, it, it's a little bit of something you got to, like I said, take it with a grain of salt because they're still – the virtual meetings, they're still having the connections with these players yeah. and finding a way uh, to, to at least get to know these prospects prior to maybe even the, the upcoming days of the draft. That's a great point. That's a great point, Kyle. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't I wasn't even sure that he did go over there. I, I mm-hmm. hadn't even read that. Um, I tried to find I've been like scouring the, the Internet with like <laughs> photos with my. <laughs> With my magnifying glass, like, hey, there's Will McClay. There's uh, <laughs> there's the scouts. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like that, that that was news to me. But, yeah, I think that's interesting. Speaking of, of that, do you think um, – well, let, let's talk about this. So round two typically has been like the roll the dice round for the Cowboys. Do you think maybe, you know, Kelvin Joseph might fit into that? Like as far as like, you know, you hear some things about off field and, and things like that that may turn off some teams – you know, being that they looked at the Kentucky Pro Day, mm-hmm. Jamin Davis, I think, is probably the target. But is there – do you think that he would be a roll-the-dice player that they would look at in the second round, Kelvin Joseph? If he's not in the second round, it might be the third round. Uh, oh. I mean, there's – with having those those two picks in the third round with 75 and 99, should the Cowboys not actually try and shop those picks, with, which I kind of – I kind of want them to keep them. I, I would rather have the two top 100 players try and mm-hmm. – Try and do something with the other six picks you got. <laughs> Let's try and figure out something yeah. to move up and get another top 100 picks. You make it an even five. But I think if you if you look at 75 and 99, that's where you're going to see a roll of the dice play. Uh, 44 is such a premium spot. I mean, you're, what, 12 spots out of the first round at that point, and, and yeah. you really are going to get a good player. Uh, and we talked about this the, today a little bit on the draft show was the fact that you're going to get a premium player at 10. You know that. An elite player, at least an elite prospect, let's let's say. I mean, I don't want to say it's going to be an elite player immediately, but you're going to get a really, really good player at 10. You're still going to get a starter at 44 if you draft the right way, and you're expected to get a starter at 44. You think about last year with uh, mm. Trayvon Diggs at, at no, 51, yeah. and, and, and there's, there's a lot that can happen in that second round. So I don't see them taking a chance and rolling the dice – at 44, I see it maybe in that third round. And if, hey, if it is, uh, if it is Kelvin Joseph, that maybe that pick is, and they haven't necessarily spent at corner, they could still double dip at that position. But even if they haven't spent a corner, that might be one of the guys they try and go get. Oh yeah, that's, that's an interesting take. Yeah, for sure, I could see that happening. Um, hey Kyle, so I wanted to pick your brain on the whole trade and how this might affect you know the Cowboys and maybe maybe somebody want to leapfrog the Cowboys. So. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that the Jets, they made the trade to Darnold to Carolina Panthers. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people, 
you know, we're thinking that maybe Carolina might be a team that wants to move up with Atlanta or somewhere, or maybe Atlanta wants to take a quarterback. Now it seems like Atlanta's probably out of the quarterback mix. So how do you feel like that that trade affects this? We, you know, how does it, how might it affect the Cowboys draft strategy? I, I don't know if it helps it or hurts it right now because initially the thought process was, Oh, there goes Carolina as a team that could take a quarterback and they're going to take, one of these top non-quarterbacks off the board. I don't know if Carolina is going to go defense. They need a lot of help on the offensive line. They need some help for, with some pass catchers, and there's a lot of them there. I thought initially it was good, or it was it was poor for the Cowboys in terms of non uh, non quarterbacks going, but it still kind of hurt the rest of the division in terms of pass catchers because I thought it, with Carolina not needing a quarterback, they're going to go and get a guy like a Jamar Chase. Kyle Pitts, if he's there, uh, maybe a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle, which would take away guys from New York at 11 and Philadelphia at 12. But you're right. I, I think now that it, it's come out that Atlanta's trying to shop that fourth pick, they're going to hold on to Matt Ryan. They don't necessarily like the guys following uh, the top three that they could potentially have whenever it comes to the quarterback spot. So they're trying to have somebody hop in there. I'm all for that. Let somebody go get a quarterback and keep the quarterbacks running. I mean, it's yeah, never yeah. been done before to have the top four quarterbacks taken in the top four picks. Um, it, it's only been ha- it's only happened three times or twice. Like, uh, this would be the third time that the first three picks were quarterbacks. I think that's a lock. I think you're going to see that yeah. for the third time ever, and you could see for the first time ever the top four picks being quarterbacks should somebody go up and trade with Atlanta. But it, it really is intriguing because if somebody does that, that's a quarterback off the board – that kind of shifts the rest of the draft down, and that's what the Cowboys want. You're cheering for as many quarterbacks to go in no, this no. top ten as possible. That way the Cowboys have better players to choose from whenever the tenth pick comes around. That's that's exciting. You know, that you're right on. You know, more quarterbacks push more talent to mm-hmm. us. We have more options. So <laughs> I love it. So let me let me ask you about the the whole Mac Jones to the 49ers. Are you mm-hmm. sold on that? Like, do you feel like that is a for sure thing, or do you think it's Mm, and they might go somewhere with a with different quarterback there. Joe, you're asking the tough questions. Uh, the, <laughs> the thing with the thing with Mac Jones, is, and I said this early on in the draft show, and I'm going to have to pull this because everybody scoffed at me whenever I said it, but it was following the Senior Bowl, and I asked the question of, could you see a meteoric rise of draft boards from Mac Jones because of the season that he had? because of the arm talent that he shows, because of the leadership and the head that he has on his shoulders. Is that enough for teams to say, this guy is the real deal. I'm going to go up and try and get him. Well, apparently that happened with San Francisco because mm-hmm. everybody that I've talked to, everybody that Dane Brugler's talked to, everybody that Brian Broaddus has talked to, Adam Schefter, everybody is putting the same story out there, and it's Mac Jones. Wow. That's, I, that's amazing. <laughs> I still don't necessarily buy it, though. That's the thing. Right? Even from the beginning, I was like, oh, that's Justin Fields or Trey Lance. One of yeah. Those, especially if they're going to lean with Jimmy Garoppolo for another year, that tells me Trey Lance. That tells me that you're going to take the North Dakota State product, you're going to groom him for a year, and then you're going to find a way later on to make your, him your starting quarterback. But, man, I, it's so tough to, to really peg whether or not San Francisco is going to do that because there is so much smoke that there may be fire. But at the same time, it might be so much smoke because it's a smoke screen. I don't know, and and that's going to be one where you're kind of leaning forward in your chair come April 29th because as soon as the first two picks are off the board and you go to three, that's where things could go awry and go crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think that's that's going to be the intrigue there. You know what I mean? And I I, I still wonder low key. You know, the, the these two friends talk to each other. You know, the Jets, uh, Sala, and you know Shanahan. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this is the guy we're taking. I know supposedly that doesn't happen, yeah. but I mean. I don't know. Wouldn't you think that there might be some kind of hint between those guys? <laughs> there could be. If, and you talk about the way that if the 49ers pulled the trigger and went up there and got yeah. those guys, you go from 12 all the way up to three. Right. And, and you spend a couple of first-round picks to do so. You basically tell yourself that, hey, whoever we're getting, this is our guy. And that's who we're going to go get. So you're exactly right. I think there might have been some some talking back and forth. Teams share information from time yeah. to time, especially if they have past connections. And like you said, Sala talks with Shanahan, and they've, they've been together forever in San Francisco. So maybe there was a little bit of conversation there. And so San Francisco said, all right, let's go get our guy. Let's go find insert quarterback name here because they feel like he's the guy who could maybe take that team to the next level. I thought it would be Justin Fields. I really like Justin Fields overall. Yeah. But with the way that they're, like I said, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Trey Lance. And then the way they're talking about Mac Jones, who knows for, at this point. It could be any of those three guys. Yeah, I feel the same way, Kyle. I feel like, it, it to me, Justin Fields just seems like he would better be a better fit. You know what I mean? As far mm-hmm. as, like, the athleticism. And Shanahan has used that before with, like, RG3 and, sure. you know. I would say you want – if you're the Cowboys, you want Mac Jones to go at three because there are other teams that are further back in the pack. Like I said earlier with cheering for teams to trade mm-hmm. up and get a quarterback, there are teams that are going to say, oh, okay, Justin Fields is still still there, Trey Lance is still there, I'm coming. And so I think once they see those first three picks play out, they're not going to do it before then because they don't know what's happening at three. And I think that might be one of the reasons why the San Francisco 49ers are being so – up front about Mac Jones, and that's why I'm not buying it as much because there is so much talk. Makes me think that it's a planned thing and they're going to take somebody else and it's a curveball. Yeah, so nobody behind the San Francisco 49ers are going to make a move until they know who the 49ers are going to take. Yeah, so yeah. Take Mac Jones. Expect movement to happen. And so I, I'm cheering for them to take Mac Jones. I think that would be the best case scenario for the Cowboys, because then there's going to be multiple teams that are going to be calling all the way up to Atlanta, calling to Carolina. Who knows? Detroit could end up taking a quarterback, which that's a team that can take a corner or take really anybody that they want at this point, whenever it comes to a pass catcher or even on the defensive side of the football, that's a team that could take a quarterback too, if they really aren't sold on Jared Goff. So there's a lot that can happen up with that third pick. Yeah, it, it, that's crazy, the whole thing about Jared Goff, you know what I mean? Like, moving on from you already kind of trade him and you're already thinking ahead, but that that that's what the NFL does. Kyle, let me ask you about this. So the whole Kyle Pitts, you know, this this stirred up with, with Cowboys Nation, that seems to be like the hottest name that the fans kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth with. With this scenario that we're talking about, more quarterbacks going up, how likely do you think it, that that name that he could be there at ten? I I used to think it was more likely, and then he went out and ran a four 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 at his pro day and showed off an eighty three inch wingspan that I think everybody is drooling over. I don't think it's as likely anymore, but it's not impossible to see the Cowboys with Kyle Pitts on the board there. I've said this previously too, but I don't necessarily want Kyle Pitts to be there just because then it's a debate. 
And, and then it turns yeah. into the Randy Moss conversation of, okay, do you take the Hall of Famer or do you go with need here? Yeah. I, and I don't want to – placing the tag of Hall of Famer on a prospect is super unfair. That's oh, yeah. super high, real, uh, unreal expectations. But he's the best tight end prospect that we've seen maybe since Vernon Davis. I mean, maybe ever at tight end because of his versatility and his athleticism. So I, I don't know. That's that's the biggest thing. I think he will go at six, seven, eight, nine. I think they're they're those picks right there. If somehow Cincinnati wants to go with Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell, I think that's probably ideal for them in, in terms of their needs. Uh, but I think I don't necessarily think Pitts gets past Miami. If he does, I don't know if he gets past Detroit. If he does, I don't know if the Carolina Panthers pass up on him. So I, I think there's four picks right in front of the Cowboys where he would probably slide off the board, and, and it would be a little bit surprising to me if he were to fall at 10. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about it. And then I, I'm also kind of thinking about the teams behind us that may want to jump leapfrog us, like maybe even the Eagles. Maybe they want to do it again to us I with mean, the tight end again. <laughs> I don't, I don't under, I wouldn't understand that move just based off the fact that they were at six. I mean, they could have drafted Kyle Pitts. He was yeah. going there for them. And they said, nah, we're going to back up and go take somebody else and, and net an extra first rounder, which I guess to, to each their own. But it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to maybe see them jump right back in. Maybe they're hoping he falls. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think overall the the Eagles gave up their chance at Kyle Pitts, which I am completely fine with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was surprised by that. And I, I know a lot of their fans were not pleased about that <laughs> at all. Hey, Kyle, I want to hit up on um, – kind of coming back to some other news, like the whole number changes, you know, you, you mm -hmm. saw all the memes today, Michael Gallup with, <laughs> with Prescott's number four, you know, CD lamb number two. Um, what is your thought on, on, Oh, oh and, and Jalen Smith, obviously, I think this yeah. was one that kind of ruffled some feathers, but what's your thoughts on the, this, uh, this change here, possible change. Is it a, an official change or are they still discussing it? It's not official yet, but it's expected to pass. And, I, I first off, I think the wide receivers were trolling a little bit because yeah. CD Lamb with eighty-eight and with, with Michael Gallup wearing wearing the number four that made me laugh. I thought that yeah, was me too. Um, but I think they were trolling a little bit. Not only were they trolling like Cowboys fans, I think they were also trolling their teammates a little bit. I thought that was fun. I I don't know how much of uh, of a change you're going to see from specific players. The the one thing about Jalen Smith that of course got everybody up in arms is he wore number nine at Notre Dame. And that's the number that he would apparently want to wear. Um, yeah. And of course, Tony Romo wore number nine, <laughs> but I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how much of the, of a factor that is. I mean, Hey, you, he's wearing 54, 54 is a pretty sacred number around Cowboys nation as well. I mean, you've, True. that's a pretty yeah. good 54 too. Uh, but I, it's tough for me to really kind of comment on what's going to happen there. Cause we've never really, seen it we don't really know what these guys want but hey more power to the players i'm always for that and i think if they want to wear a single digit number they, there shouldn't be a rule that says hey you can't wear a single digit number let's let's let it ride plus i still think cd lamb i know i'm i'm i guess new school whenever it comes to numbers and uniforms and i like the flashier the better number yeah. two on cd lamb would be pretty sweet even though i know the tradition of 88 and i love that too but number two on CD Lamb would be sweet, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that, I know that jersey would look pretty cool. Um, speaking of, of Romo and number nine, the Cowboys mm -hmm. don't officially retire numbers, right? But it's yep. kind of like an unofficial thing. Do you, mm -hmm. Like for Romo, do you feel like he's in that kind of class where, like you know, a Staubach or Emmitt Smith, where 
that number is kind of untouchable. Yeah, I mean, you talk about like the Aikmans and the Starbucks, and you don't see a whole lot of number eight. You don't see 12. You don't see 22. And of course, Keanu Neal coming in and, and he wanted 22. And of course, <laughs> that, that's probably not going to happen for Mr. Neal. He'll probably wear 44 or, excuse me, 42. Uh, <laughs> but I don't. I don't know if if Romo would be in that class because we haven't seen anybody wear nine since then. And it it would take, I think, until we see a number nine back on the field in the Cowboys uniform for me to say, okay, he is in, he is not in that conversation. Um, But yeah, if you go another 10 years or so and and there's not a number nine, then I'm certainly thinking that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting take there, Uh, Kyle. So uh, coming back to the draft, so talking about defense, it looks like the Cowboys, that's kind of where a lot of fans are expecting us to be a heavily mm-hmm. you know, drafted, um, you know, draft for defense. Although, for reason. Yeah. <laughs> but we know that that's probably not going to happen at the end of the day. They'll probably sprinkle in some offensive players. You know, um, could you see this team going like a second round on offensive player if somebody's there that they like? Yeah, I, I think they could go anywhere at offense and I'm not necessarily talking about skills positions. I don't think you'll see uh, a running back. I don't think you'll see a quarterback taken. Maybe you could see a late quarterback. If you, if you liked one of the guys in this class later on and you feel like he's an upgrade over Garrett Gilbert, maybe you go in and and grab a guy because I don't know if they're going to have enough salary cap room to, to go and sign another quarterback. So I, I think you could see a late quarterback wide receiver, Sure. I mean, you, you picked up the tender on, on both Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. So there's your top five wide receivers right there. I don't know if you necessarily want to dabble in that spot as well, but this is such a deep class at the wideout spot that you can maybe get there. Where you see the majority of the offense being taken and where the Cowboys could lean offense heavy is on the line. And we, of course, saw in 2020 what it's like to not have a ton of offensive line depth. Oh, yeah. I think the second round is a sweet spot there. I think the offensive tackle spot with guys like Liam Eikenberg with uh, Alex Leatherwood, Eikenberg out of Notre Dame, Leatherwood out of uh, Alabama. I mean, there are a lot of guys right in that second tier of the tackle spot. Samuel Cosby out of Texas. There's a lot of guys that you could maybe look at that aren't going to go first round, that could be there 12 picks into the second, and then you're taking them at a 44. Then you could go maybe guard center later. Go with maybe a fourth round pick, third and third if you really wanted to stretch it a little bit, and go pick up some of these mid tier offensive uh, like interior offensive linemen. I mean, I'm pulling up some names right now. Creed Humphrey, he'll probably be a second round pick. You'd have to probably reach on him. Ben Cleveland out of Georgia, I like a lot. Landon Dickerson, who of course had the injury uh, in the SEC championship game against Florida, uh, but Landon Dickerson, somebody I think that you can maybe look at. There's a lot of offensive linemen that could go toward the Cowboys in this draft just based off of the fact that they don't want to get burned again uh, if the health issues continue for the starters on that line going into 2021. Yeah, that's always been my my take has been, you know, until we see it happen, you kind of have to, you know, feel that, you know, how many games are we going to get out of Tyron Smith? You know, everybody sure. loves the player. He's a legend here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, you know, he has been playing a long time. It's just, you know, the wear of the game for these big men, I think, just catches up to some of them. So he's missed yeah. 26 games in the past five years combined. 
26 games. That's almost two full seasons uh, in the past five years that you've kind of had sprinkled in. Now, the majority of that was this year where he missed 14 games, but he missed at least three games the four years prior. And so I think really when it comes to Tyron Smith, can you expect him to play all 16 games? He hasn't since 2016. So no. I don't know if you can expect him to, to play there. Now, the positive of 2020 was that Brandon Knight got a ton of snaps. Terrence Steele turned into a little bit of a bright spot at the end of the year. And, and I'm by bright spot, I'm not talking about starter caliber, but he turned into a serviceable tackle mm-hmm. that he picked up as an undrafted free agent. So I think overall there's positives there, and, and maybe you add to that depth. I certainly think that that's a spot that needs to be addressed pretty early in the draft, and I'm talking day one or day two. Even yeah. though I don't think the Cowboys will do it day one, I think day two is a huge possibility. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. I, I feel like yeah, if they do it early, it's gotta be one of those premier guys. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if you go later, I feel like you're just throwing in the mix to compete with you know Terrence Steele, these types of guys. So, but you're right, you know Terrence Steele did come on strong at the end, and maybe this is a player that you can develop like a Parnell, you know, a few years yeah. ago, and you know became pretty serviceable, you know, spot duty, and he got himself a pretty nice contract <laughs> when he left Dallas. So, yeah. That would be the ideal thing here. So, Kyle, and you, you kind of touched on quarterback maybe later in this draft. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've always been one that, that has really followed Mike McCarthy's, you know, how he has, you know, uh, elevated a lot of quarterbacks, you know, Matt Flynn and, and these guys. You know, do you feel like Mike McCarthy may have a say as far as like, hey, we need to add another quarterback into the mix here to – to see if we can develop and maybe flip later for a pick. Do you think that that's anywhere in their thinking in this draft? Yeah, I think there's a lot of say for Mike McCarthy. And if you if you don't believe that that's the case, look at last year's quarterback you took. I mean, it, it was a guy who knew Mike McCarthy. It was Ben DiNucci yeah. in the seventh round out of James Madison. And everybody kind of said, who? <laughs> Wait, Ben to who? <laughs> uh, whenever that pick was made, and it was like, oh, oh, there was a pass connection there. And Mike McCarthy got a, went and got his guy. You could hear it on the phone during the conversation uh, that he had with Ben that day. And, and of course, we saw – a little bit of what Ben could do. I, I don't really write off Ben DiNucci off of that Eagles game just based off of how crazy that was and yeah. the lack of offensive line again. I think he was given a poor a poor, uh, poor chance there as the starter, and I, I would like to see him develop a little more. But if, if that is a position where Mike McCarthy wants to see an upgrade and wants to develop a guy, yeah, they're going to go get a guy. I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that he would have enough say in that draft room to say, all right, we've got 10 picks here. We've spent a good amount on defense. We're heading into the fifth and sixth rounds. Let's go try and get one of these quarterbacks. I mean, there's plenty of them in this draft. Shane Bouchelle from SMU, Felipe Franks out of Arkansas, Zach Smith from Tulsa. I mean, there are guys that are in the back half of this draft. Even Sam Ellinger from Texas, if you really want to get it, it get a backup quarterback. There's serviceable guys that are absolutely projects, and they aren't necessarily great prospects. But it's somebody that maybe Mike McCarthy has an interest in. I think he would have enough say to pull the trigger. Yeah, that I feel like that might be somewhere. I feel like every time we're talking about draft, you know, whether you know, as a, as the fan base, right? It's like mm-hmm. a lot of fans get tunnel vision on the same names in the mock drafts, and when you give sure. them a new name, they don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm when we the get the draft, I'm the same way. I hear I hear the yeah. names, and I I know the names. And it's like ah, no, no, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> Um, don't tell me that. And then it ends up being right. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, it happens all the time. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to get myself ready and I'm trying to get, you know, all my subscribers ready for like different names and, yeah. you know, maybe they're going to look at somebody else and, and things like that. So uh, that's a great take. Uh, Kyle, it, it looking at in the, your, the top defenders for this number 10 pick, you know, if, if we are going defense, which, you know, I, I think it is going to be defense. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it could still be best player available, you know, especially some of that talent pushes down to us, you know, but if we're looking at the defenders there at number 10, if you were just a spitball or, or, you know, come up with a little mini board in your head as far as like the top defenders, who would you be looking at there? Yeah, uh, it's it's rough from a, a defender standpoint because you you've got two positions really that are that are worth taking. I, I would throw three positions in total that are worth taking at ten, and that's corner at, at least for the Cowboys. Let me preface that: that's corner, it's offensive tackle, and it's a wide receiver and or Kyle Pitts, just pass catcher. We'll say those are the three positions at 10 that you would take. And I'm not even saying the last one is likely. I don't think it's likely at all that the Cowboys go get a pass catcher because even last year with CD lamb and you could, you can say that that was a huge need or you could say that it was a huge reach for the Cowboys, but it was a need. You needed a slot receiver yeah. and CD lamb fit that need. You don't need that right now. Like I said earlier, you've got your five uh, wide receivers kind of locked up. You've got two solid tight ends. I mean, hopefully Blake Jarwin comes back and he's, able to take that next step. We still haven't really seen that without Jason Witt in the fold. And yeah. well, of course, Dalton Schultz took the next step last year. So if Blake Jarwin does anything similar, the Cowboys are really good uh, at that spot. But I, I think you're looking at corner offensive tackle as the, the two spots there that, that you, you can really draft. I, you could throw a linebacker in there. Micah Parsons doesn't get me excited. No. If you end up getting the pick, you're a better team just because you have more linebacker depth, but he doesn't get me excited at all. Give me one no. of the corners first. Give me one of the offensive tackles first, and then maybe Micah Parsons or Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Those are the guys that are there for the linebacker spot, but it, it really does come down to corner, I think, if you're going to go on that defensive side of the football, and that's Patrick Chatan. And that's J.C. Horn. And that's the names that, like you said, people have been hearing and they that's in their mind right now. Everybody knows about those two guys. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so talking about offensive linemen here in the first round, Kyle, would you where do you have these guys? Ready? Do you have like Vera Tucker? Do you have Jenkins as a possible, you know, guy or Darisaw? Like how, where do you have these guys rated on your board? So you're talking in the first round or second round? Yeah, first round. First round. Uh, so in terms of first round grades, at the offensive tackle spot, I have Pinay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Christian Darisol. Those are my three first round grades out of offensive tackle. After that, it's a, a bevy of guys. Samuel Cosme, Walker Little, Dylan Reduns, Tevin Jenkins. I could throw Jenkins probably above Little if I really wanted to. I like Jenkins a lot, and I went yeah. and rewatched him actually today. I could probably put him above Little as my fifth offensive tackle, and I wouldn't feel bad about that. Liam Eikenberg, Alex Leatherwood, those are those guys on the offensive tackle spot. As far as interior offensive linemen, my only number one, or like my only first round grade is Alive uh, Air Tucker. Yeah. Uh, that's it, uh, is the, the USC uh, interior offensive lineman. Wyatt Davis was close. He's a second round grade. Creed Humphreys, Josh Myers, Trey Smith. Those are the guys that I have in terms of my board kind of stacked up. I think offensive tackle is a much deeper and much even better top-heavy position 
I think in this draft. And I think that's why it has to be at least in the conversation at 10 because of guys like Slater, because of guys like Sewell, because those are game changers and, and people no, yeah. up front. And I think that's something that you could really look at. That could be a plus for this team. Yeah. If there was a name at number 10, Kyle, that would really surprise the crap out of you. <laughs> like, like say our pick comes up and they say, you know, this is the pick. What names do you have? Like a few names where you would be like, Oh dang, what the heck? Uh, well, the first one would be one of the wide receivers. If somehow it's like Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle, I, I my hat would go flying off right now. Uh, yeah. I think that would be a, a massive surprise. And then the Cowboys would just have to do something with Michael Gallup. I think that would be the move. If they really thought Michael Gallup was going to leave, maybe they draft a wide receiver and then try and figure it out after that. I, that's the thing is if Kyle Pitts falls to 10, it wouldn't surprise me if they took him because he's that good of a player. Whereas no. it's, it's not necessarily likely with these wide receivers. Um, in terms of other surprises, I really do think Patrick Sertan is the pick. I know they like JC Horn. Um, I know that he's a guy that they have very high on their boards and, I don't know, maybe Horn is the pick, but I still wouldn't necessarily be surprised with either one of those. Let me just say it's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Excuse me, Koromoa. I keep throwing an extra R in there. Um, But I think he would probably be the surprise pick if you wanted to really reach there. Uh, Maybe a Christian Barmore defensive tackle out of Alabama. There's a couple names there that would knock my hat off. But overall, I think you're, you're looking at five to six names. And I've gone through all of those, so I won't go through them again. But you're looking at five to six names here that you're going to pick at the 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 10th spot. And I think if it, it's anything outside of that, it'll be a bit surprising. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. Oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm just really excited about this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, 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 anybody in the comment box want to throw some questions at us? Feel free to. And we'll see if we can get some questions here for <clears throat> Kyle. Well, and Joe, you, you mentioned really quickly while we wait for these questions to come in, but yeah, that's what's exciting. And I mentioned this on Talking Cowboys, not even on the draft show. I probably should on the draft show. But the, the, the fact that you're at 10, no matter who you pick, even if you pick Michael Parsons, who, like I said, doesn't get me excited, yeah. you're a better football team. And I think that's what's exciting about this spot. And, and you thought that last year with the, the, the possibility of it being Caleb on chase on, of course, nobody expected C.D. Lamb, and I was literally running to the star and back from my apartment because I was so happy. But <laughs> it, it was it was not necessarily expected. This year it's expected. You know if it's Patrick Tertan, if it's J.C. Horn, if it's Kyle Pitts, if it's Micah Parsons, if it's Rashawn Slater, if it's Penny Sewell, doesn't matter. You're going to be a better football team right. on, April, on April 30th than you were on April 29th or the, the early in the parts of, of April 29th. And I think that's the – the fun part about the whole thing is, is you're going to get a really good player no matter where you are in the draft. That's how I feel about it too. You know, I, I know a lot of fans are kind of fighting, fighting back and forth about, you know, Pitts and, the, and these other guys, but I feel mm-hmm. like whatever they do, like you said, they're in good shape to get a blue chip player, somebody who can, you know, be with you, maybe even get two contracts out of, and uh, they should be sitting pretty. So, yeah. And you know, they're relatively good drafting in the first round. It's not like we're the Eagles where they're making goofy <laughs> picks in the first round. So, I feel good about it. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you, at least over the last couple of years, you've looked really good at your first round picks. I don't want to yeah. talk about Taco. That sucked. Yeah. Everyone here would have picked yeah. or would have picked somebody else than Taco. Rod Marinelli fixing his or trying to fix your figure out his job and not say he has talent. So 
yeah, it, it really is. It, it's exciting to maybe think that you're going to be at least even a step closer defensively or just a juggernaut on the offensive side. Yeah, I agree. All right, Kyle, so we've got a good question here. Could we move back into the bottom of the first with one of our comp picks? Army Mom Heather C., thank you for the question. Okay. So are we thinking moving – I guess I'll answer it both ways. Are you talking move backwards out of 10 or get back into the first round by using those comp picks? I think that's probably what the question is, moving yeah. back into the first, right? Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think comp picks is going to be tough. Just because uh, you could maybe use your third round comp, the one you got from Byron Jones, you could probably use that one to get back in. Maybe like 75 and 99, if you wanted to package those two together, you could get into the 20s. You could get yeah. into the early 20s, maybe, if you really wanted to get back in there and maybe go get a guy like a Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, the cornerback who's really good. Yeah. Um, I think that could be really something the Cowboys could look at if they really, really like that. I mentioned this earlier, but I, I would rather get some of those comp picks on the backside and maybe those those fourth, fifth, sixth round comp picks and back package those to try and get a top 100 pick or two. Try and go get in, back into the 80s, get back into the, the early 70s or something of the sort to try and get a couple of those really good uh, mid-tier players that are potentially starter caliber at least this year or they could be starters in the future. That's where my interest lies, but – if you're telling me I've got two first-round picks, two top 25 picks, I, I would probably still package 75 and 99, try mm -hmm. and go back up there and get somebody because there's some really good players right in that 20s mix, especially oh, yeah. if somebody falls. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That would be exciting to me. Like That would be like, man, first round, heck yeah, we knocked it out the park. <laughs> and actually, somebody just, somebody just uh, commented, I'm completely wrong on this. It would probably take 44 and 75. Maybe you could get away with getting in the late 20s with 44 and 99. I don't know if those comp picks are necessarily going to get you back into the first as easily as it should. But yeah, you're probably going to take a second round pick. It would take a lot for a third and or a couple thirds to try and get back up into that top spot. But uh, Trainer Joe was the one on the comment section that corrected me there. But that's exactly right. It's going to be tough to do 75 and 99. I don't know what I'm thinking. I, that's wishful thinking is what it is. Let's go get it. Let's go get it from some team that just doesn't want to pick. That's, that's the best way to do it. That, that, you probably could pull that off with the Texans. I mean, those guys get their eyes pulled <laughs> They don't out. have to pick. They've already done that already. <laughs> you know, I know. They've rid of their first rounders. Those guys there. Wow. This is a good one here, Kyle. Should we look at a guy like Demetric Felton in the second or third as a kick return specialist? I don't want CD returning kicks anymore. Neither do I. I, I do want to come <laughs> away with this draft with somebody to replace him. What, what do you feel about that, Kyle? I don't necessarily disagree because it's funny. I was so on the CD Lamb returning kicks bandwagon, mm -hmm. like right at the start of the year. I was like, this is going to be great. He's going to be so electric. And then – Every time he caught a punt or caught a like was in special teams work, I was like, no, I'm I'm out on this. I need him to be yeah. a wide receiver. I want him to focus on that. I wouldn't be against going and getting a guy like that, especially with Felton. I mean, this is a UCLA guy that gave me flashbacks of what Joshua Kelly did last year at the Senior Bowl because Kelly in 2020 was just electric at the Senior Bowl. Was the most outstanding player. He was somebody who was just on point he was on he was electric he was elusive and then Felton wearing the same helmet wearing the same jersey got back up here in 2021 and he was fantastic he was one of our pet cats from the senior bowl Bucky oh, yeah. absolutely loves him 
Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really remember him sticking out on tape, and he's elusive, kind of like I said, kind of Tony Pollard-esque whenever it comes to the way that he's able to maneuver around people. And he's got good hands. He's a, he's a receiving target out of the backfield. He's somebody that I would certainly like to target back there and if he's available and if that's a pick you wanted to make. But it would have to be after you kind of sure up every need that you have because there are a couple guys there that – could potentially return kicks if you wanted to maybe throw Pollard out there or maybe even Cedric Wilson outside of CeeDee Lamb maybe having that duty again this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for getting CeeDee Lamb off. And that's a that's a great prospect. I liked him in, in the senior bowl. He's fun. Yeah, he was. Pretty electric. Donald Jenkins says, where does Kyle rate the safeties? Ooh, I like this question because the safety position, I was really down on them early on. Yeah, not so much anymore. Now, I'm not saying that they're top 15 players at all, but I think you're going to find some starters in the safety class, especially at 44. If you can get the Cowboys to pick a safety at 44 and in the second round for the first time since 2002, oh, let's do it. Because there's yeah. a couple guys here. Trayvon Merrick, TCU is my top safety. He's got a late first-round grade for me. He's somebody yeah. that I think will go in the 20s, length, speed, Ball skills, he's got it all. He's somebody who I think is going to come in and make an immediate impact. Uh, didn't have a, any trouble finishing plays, missing tackles. He was a just really kind of a monster. Had 36 tackles in just under 700 snaps this year. I really do like what he brings as a as a prospect. Richie Grant is my number two. He's right behind Merrick. I have him as an early second, but I like Richie Grant. And if he's at 44, he's my pick. I'm telling you that right now. If and I, honestly, I'll say that whether or not they take a tackle or a corner in the first, I don't care who you have it for in the first round. Give me Richie Grant in the second. Let's ride because that guy's going to start right next to to Donovan Wilson, and those two are going to be fantastic next to yeah. each other. Oh man, yeah, I like those. Uh, I'll go ahead and run down the list here after that, but those are my top two, and it's by a considerable nar- margin. Uh, Nazrul Dean from Florida State is my third. James Wiggins, Cincinnati. I like Richard LeCount, uh, LeCount from Georgia. Richard LeCount the third. And then this is a name that I throw up there that I haven't really heard a lot of other people like, but I like him a lot. 6'2", 200 pounds out of Syracuse. His name is Trill Williams. I really like Trill Williams a lot, and he's a he's a fiery player, plays with a lot of passion. I mentioned his length. He's quick. He's heady. He's got ball skills. I think he's somebody that could be there as well. Uh, and then following Williams, I've got Bloodsoe out of Missouri and then Ardarius Washington from TCU. I know my buddy Jeff Cavanaugh loves him some Ardarius. Ardarius, yeah, he does. Uh, I don't love him nearly as much. I think he's a good player, but Merrick's clearly the better TCU safety, and I think Washington could be good in the league, but you you got to show me first. It's it, There's been other smaller safeties like, uh, of course, a lot of people compare him to the Honey, honey Badger and, and and you bring up Tyron Matthew, but also, I mean, Antoine Winfield last year. I loved Antoine Oh, yeah. He was he great. Was, he was one of my pet cats. And, yeah. of course, he, he goes to Tampa Bay and wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> I really like him. I also really like Jamar Johnson out of Indiana. I watched him all day. Kind yeah. of had some uh, – had some, uh, some commenters on – some viewers – text me and say, hey, listen, watch this Watch this Indiana kid. Where does he rank? He ranks number nine for me. I could maybe even put him higher. I need to watch a little more just for me to really be sold, but I really like the way that he plays as well. I think he's somebody that you could really look at. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of him too. 
Speaking of of some of the of the measurables, uh, Kyle, just real quick, do you mm-hmm. feel like we're still kind of looking at you know where they're kind of metric centric with the measurements with their DBs like six foot and above? You think this is still going to be the the case under McCarthy and Dan Quinn? I don't think it's as much of the case. I think you're looking for ballers at this point, especially on the defensive side of the football. You can't really be picky. Yeah, and, and in the past you might have been able to be a little picky. I don't think you can anymore. You need to find guys that are going to come in and be dogs. And we've talked about this too on our shows. Of There's a difference between being a really good football player and just being a straight-up dog. And, and that's what you need right now. That's why I really do like J.C. Horn a lot. I think yeah. he can come in and bring that mentality as a cornerback. And I, I do have him right up there. But I, I do love uh, the possibility of getting some of these guys that, are, that have that headspace, that have that confidence and that mentality because – Right now, that defense doesn't have it. Maybe outside of Demarcus Lawrence, and even he doesn't show it at times. I think there, there needs to be an added confidence to this defense, and hopefully Dan Quinn brings that. But overall, there's a long way to go. I agree a thousand percent. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I if we can just get more of these edgy swagger type of guys. I, I like yeah. a Samuel Jr. myself. Ooh, but I, I didn't worry about those measurements, not. but he would fit. Uh, he would be a, such a great compliment to Trayvon Diggs. I, I would love mm-hmm. to, I was to consider him. Um, so, but we'll see. <laughs> Brad Cannon, who's an edge player we could get in the third or fourth? Looking Ooh. to upgrade on Dorrance Armstrong. Okay, I like that question, Brad. Um, Rashad Weaver, Pittsburgh, maybe. Uh, if that interests anybody, Shaka Tony, uh, out of Penn State. Those are a couple. Uh, a couple of senior bowl guys that are probably going to go in maybe the third round. If they're, if you're going to look at 75 and 99, those are a couple guys I think you should be interested in. Uh, I really like This is a fun guy. I, I wish I had a scouting report written up on him. I don't right now, but I watched him the other day too. How about Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo? Six foot three, 248 pounds. And this guy is just electric. Go watch him. If you haven't watched him yet, Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo. I really like him a lot. He's you talk about a headspace, you talk about a, a, a mauler. Give me him in, in the third or fourth round, and I'll I'll be pretty happy about that. I also like for those of you who I'm sure that we've got some sooner fans in the house, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. I don't know if he lasts to 75. He may go before that, but if he does. Uh, I really like what he could bring to the table. He's a St. Louis, Missouri native combination of flexibility, twitch. And, and one of those guys that's funny off of the edge, you don't see this a lot, but he lost weight during his time in Norman. I mean, he went, mm-hmm. he started his playing time in Norman with the Sooners at 254. He's down to 247, and he's been a starter since 2018. I mean, this is a guy who I think could really be an impact player as an edge rusher pretty immediately. He's a good run, run defender as well. Um, I really do like uh, Ronnie Perkins. But, yeah, those are a lot of those kind of mid-tier names that I really like that could kind of fall into that that path if you wanted kind of a day, late day two, maybe early day three kind of guy whenever it comes to the edge spot. Are you, do you feel like Basham and Osai go a little bit earlier than these guys? Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got mm-hmm. Basham in the second. Joseph Osai is probably an early third I don't think either one of those guys last of 75. I think if you had to if you had to tell me who would last to 75 or if I had to make a bet on who it would be, I'd probably say Joseph Osai. He'd probably be the, the most likely guy to fall to, to 75. Uh, Patrick Jones maybe out yeah. of Pittsburgh. He, I don't think he had a great pro day. Yeah. Actually, he didn't really do a whole lot on his mm-hmm. pro day. 
Yeah. Um, and and I saw this comment in the in the sections as well. Ronnie Perkins also did not have a great pro day either. Four seven four. 32 inch vertical. His broad jump was 115. These are all middle of the road numbers. 25 on bench, which is not too bad, but it's nothing crazy. His tape is much better than what his, his measurables were. So I think overall, there's definitely something there. Oh, yeah. Kevin Brown wants to know can y'all talk about defensive tackles? I, I think this is a good, a good common question kyle because you know we did it looks like the Cowboys have thrown bodies at the position you know obviously we didn't get like the dalvin tomlinson's of the world or these top tier guys which we we know better right but (laughs) as far as defensive tackles kyle do you have any that that really stand out to you where maybe the cowboys might consider somebody early yeah i mean this is a great question and kevin brown spot on because this is such a tackle class that's so hard to peg Early on, I thought it was poor. I didn't think there was really anybody there that's going to make an impact. And now I'm thinking, okay, there's some guys here because there's a couple late-round picks that could turn into something. Now, I'll split this up into today's. Christian Barmore is your day one guy. He's probably the only guy that's going to go in the first if he goes in the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of the guys that I work with at, at DallasCowboys.com don't think he'll go in the first. I do. I think he's a good player. They're saying that he doesn't necessarily line up with what Alabama has brought. But I really do like what Christian Barmore brings to the table. He's a guy who's a mauler. He's going to affect the run game. He's going to take up a couple of guys on that line of scrimmage. Uh, he's really good. Aleem McNeil is my second defensive tackle, NC State, he, a junior who played a lot of zero technique, straight up nose tackle. I mean, he's a he's a baller too. I think he's somebody who could make an impact. Uh after that, there's a lot of question marks. Marvin Wilson, Tyler Shelvin, uh, and uh, Davion Nixon. Those are three guys right in that second tier of defensive tackle. That Okay, Marvin Wilson, is he going to go back to maybe his sophomore, junior year Marvin Wilson, where he was one of the best defensive yeah. tackles in college football? Or is he going to be the senior Marvin Wilson or the senior bowl Marvin Wilson, where he just wasn't really impressive? Tyler Shelvin, six foot three, 362 pounds. Huge, huge. I mean, this guy's a freaking bus. He's playing defensive tackle. If he could be somewhat manageable, he would be a lot of fun at the position. But is he going to be able to stay at a playing weight that's enough to be effective? That's the biggest question. Right. Davion Nixon is another one of those guys who I think has good tape. A little bit of the off the field concerns. Does he really like football? Does he really want to compete? Does he really want to get better and be in the weight room and be a warrior? I don't necessarily know. As far as day three, or not even day three, but the tier three of these defensive tackles, that's where you're going to find your sweet spot. Tommy Togiai, Ohio State, I think he is a mm-hmm. badass. I think he plays yeah. with an edge. He plays with a fire. You can see it on tape. He's ultra strong, has great hands. I think overall he's a guy that the Cowboys I know like and maybe will be targeting at some point. Levi Onzerike out of Washington. I've mentioned his name, sideline to sideline presence, a really good run defender, somebody who takes up multiple blocks at the line of scrimmage. I think he's somebody uh, you could look at. Osa Odigizua with the coolest name, I think, yeah, the entire right. draft class out of UCLA. He's another guy as well. So uh, there are defensive tackles there that could definitely find a way to, to, to be starters at the next level which is perfect for the Cowboys because you don't need a starter right now. You've got Tristan Hill. You've got Neville Gallimore who are supposedly going to be your one and three techniques respectively. I think you don't need 
a defensive tackle. Now you need depth, and I think that's exactly what this draft is going to provide. Yeah, a great question. I totally agree, uh, Kyle. I, I feel like that's probably going to be the plan. You know, you like all those names that you you know sounded off spot on. I <laughs> I would love to add any one of those guys into. The sure, give me one of them. I'm I'm fine with any one of those guys. Yeah. Brad Cannon with the super chat. Thank you very much, Brad. Appreciate you. Thanks, Joe and Kyle. Great content as always. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Let's see what else we got in here. Uh, I saw some. I saw another good one here. If you see anything here, let me know. Oh, here, here we got. This is a good one, Kyle. What about Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston? What's your thoughts mm -hmm. on him? I'm trying to find him on my list. I think I have him pretty far down, which is unfortunate. Um, where is he at? He's at defensive end. Mm, I'm sorry. Oh, here he is. I have him as an interior defensive lineman. So six foot five. You talk about Shelvin being nuts. Yeah, goodness for gracious. Six five, three eighths, whenever it comes to his size, that he was he was at the senior bowl. I like him overall. He's 16th on my list in terms of uh in terms of the position, but those Houston guys are pretty legit. I mean, he was second team all conference, uh, didn't play a whole lot. I mean, what he, he played kind of as that outside bandit for, for Houston for a little bit. I need to switch him over to edge rusher. I don't know why I have him as an interior guy, uh, had 10 and a half tackles, tackles for loss. I, I'm not super huge on him. I think whenever it comes to Peyton Turner, he could be maybe one of those depth guys that yeah. you could see. I need to see, I don't have his numbers down either. Uh, maybe what his pro day, maybe we'll see something out of that. But I think overall Peyton Turner is one of those guys that uh, I just haven't really known enough about. I need to probably go back and circle back to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think with Houston, it's kind of um, – and, you you know, they always say don't don't judge the helmet. But, you know, with, yeah. with Houston, it's kind of like you do have some of the hit and misses, with especially the cornerbacks, the speedsters. They yeah. really, but then you look at Ed Oliver – Pretty good player. I do like, you know, what I do like about Payne Turner, he does have a little bit of that flex, and um, his length is pretty good. So I think maybe there's some traits there that maybe these D-line coaches could work with. I'm trying to look at – so he does have really good length. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now. 35-inch arms. That's crazy. Hands are pretty legit. I mean, we already talked about six foot five. Goodness gracious. Um they think he's going to be a 4-3 end. So, yeah, I need to switch him out of defensive tackle. I don't know why I have him in that list. Um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely somebody to look out for. Uh, I still can't find his pro day numbers. But overall, I mean, this is that's a guy who I think you could maybe look for late. Yeah, I think their pro day is like on the ninth. I think they're one of the last schools to do their pro days, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. I was about to say I couldn't find pro day numbers, but I guess that's that's why because they haven't had their pro day yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all good, my brother. All good. Uh, great questions, guys. Appreciate all the questions that come. Yeah, in. these are awesome. I love this. Yeah, these, these are great. Uh, Kyle, can you rank linebackers? Where do you put Parsons and why? Not worth a top pick for me. So mm. Mario Flores says. Okay, that's fine. I'm I'm right there with you. I don't think taking a linebacker at 10 is smart in any draft. I'm right there with you because I think, one, the linebacker position, especially in today's NFL and today's age, is got such a, it's got such a short shelf life. Players get hurt. 
if you want an example, look at the Cowboys and their linebackers, as unfortunate as it may be. Yeah, I, I think Michael Parsons is a freak athlete, and he's still number one on my list, but he's not a top 10 pick. And there's no top 10 pick, I think, in this draft. I have Parsons as 15. I have JOK sitting at 16. And that's Jeremiah Osu-Koromoa, who I mentioned earlier out of Notre Dame. He's at 16. They're right up on each other. Tags are touching. If you give me either one of those guys in a tradeback scenario, fine. 10, not so much. After JOK, I've got Nick Bolton, who's a, a back-end first-round guy. I really like Zaven Collins out of Tulsa. Jamin Davis, I mentioned him from Kentucky. I've really come on to liking him. Uh, Jabril Cox, a lot of people don't like Jabril Cox, and I'm starting to figure this out. North Dakota State transfer, went to LSU – somebody who I thought at least in his one season in the SEC showed he deserved to be in the SEC, has the physical tools needed to be a successful linebacker. These are, I'm reading off of my notes at this point. Length, athleticism, coverage ability, all make him ideal candidates for the defensive for any defensive system. So I think he's a really good player. Um, a lot of people think he might bust because of his size. He, he doesn't play with the power that you would expect. Uh, from that that six foot three, two hundred and thirty three pound frame, he kind of plays a little softer than that, and so people might think he might might not work out there. Um, some other names to throw out there: Dylan Moses, Alabama; Baron Browning, Ohio State. I really do like Baron Browning. If the Cowboys wanted to spend one of their third round picks on on a linebacker, go get Baron Browning, please. Yeah, Let's figure it out because he would Bring be home. He'd be really good. Yeah, he's a Kennedale product. Fort Worth native, uh, and then Charles Snowden, Virginia, Jazz Surratt, North Carolina. I mean, there's some linebackers in that middle tier that are pretty darn good um, and that you could really be excited about. But I, I really do like uh, – I really like Jabril Cox more than others. And then uh, I mentioned this name earlier, and this is fun. Jordan Smith out of UAB. He, oh, he's yeah. an edge rusher. He's a linebacker, kind of like one of those little hybrid players. Yeah. I don't know if he fits in a 3-4 or excuse me, in a 4-3 with what Dan Quinn's going to bring and, and what the Cowboys are most likely going to see. But, man, he's a baller. And I, I really do like his tape as well. So I, I would probably throw Jordan Smith into the, the package there too. He, yeah, he's a fun player to watch. He's got that speed. Um, mm-hmm. I like him too. I wonder what, what, what round do you think he might fall in this draft? Jordan Smith? Yeah. Um, fourth, maybe? Mm-hmm. Late third, maybe early fourth. I think he's a good enough player to take him the third. Um, a lot of people would look at that pick and say, why? Uh, but I would say, let's do it because <laughs> uh, I do like his tape a lot. But, yeah, I would probably say third or fourth. Overall on my board, I have him at 123. So that would, I guess, what, be the, the fourth round? So that that's where I have him at. That's the yeah. same pick that uh, Reggie Robinson was picked in last year. Yeah, so it's not a, not a bad place to grab him. Um, you know, speaking of, of uh, I know you, you mentioned the name Zayvon Collins. Where do you play him? Is he a, an edge outside three, four guy, or, or is he one of these like tweener types? You know, like is he a four, three edge or? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of the, the hard spot anyway. Six foot four, off ball linebacker, could be an edge rusher if you really wanted him to be. I would, I would say he fits as a three, four outside backer. Mm-hmm. Um, more than anything, you could put him in a four-three and maybe put his hand in the ground, but I don't necessarily think that's where he fits best. I think he needs to be 
kind of in that three, four system where he's going to play. He's so athletic. I mean, he played quarterback and safety in high school. I mean, (laughs) he he's been around the the block whenever it comes to to any part of the, the, the game of football. So I think anytime you get a guy like that with a freak athleticism, a crazy build length for days, uh, then I think, yeah, overall, it's going to be something that he could, uh, that he could figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Quinn should be able to figure figure that out, right? Get get him in the mix. I hope so. Go, go that He's like those guys before. Who knows? He might be able to find a, a way for, yeah. for him to work. We don't want to go through another Mike Nolan situation. Please don't. Yeah. The <laughs> lunatic in the super chat yeah, hit the yeah. like conversation. That's Conway's for life. Thank you, the lunatic. Always counting you in the chat box. Appreciate you, bro. Let's see what else here. Uh... We'll go with one more here. We won't, we, won't keep, we won't keep Kyle here too long. We'll do this. Will be the final question, guys. The lunatic. If we don't go cornerback at 10 or 44, mm-hmm. what cornerback names will be available in the third round? Anybody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because if you don't go quarter corner in the first or the second, you're in trouble. Um, no, no, I think there's some guys that you could get. Um, Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota, Tay Gowan out of UCF. I think he's a guy. Uh, a lot of people liked Keith Taylor out of Washington during the Senior Bowl. No, I didn't really like him that much. I'll I'll, I'll level with everybody here. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of those tweener guys that could kind of play either way. Uh, Mook. Okay, I haven't done all of the pronunciations yet, so I'm going to completely kill this guy's name, Muku. Amu from South Carolina. He's kind of a tweener, could play safety, could play corner. He can maybe go there. Ooh, this is a name that I skipped over, but I really like. Aaron Robinson, UCF. Oh, my gosh. He is just – you talk about, once again, a mauler and and somebody who plays with that extra edge. Yes. He is somebody who plays with an edge. Transfer from Alabama. Comes from a very, very talented, rich Deerfield Beach, Florida that has produced countless products. Um, I, I really do like him. You like him in the slot or outside? Oh, either one. I could put, I could throw him outside. You could throw him inside. I would probably throw him in the slot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going out on a limb, he would be better than Jordan Lewis right now. I think so in the slot. Um, so I think overall he would be pretty darn good. I think there's plenty of guys in that day three realm that are, that are available. But once again, once, like, like I said, if you're not going, at 10 or 44, either one of those picks a corner, you're going to have to do something with those two uh, 75 or 99 to try and get you a corner because there is a glaring hole in that spot right now for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's the biggest hole right now. That's why I, I kind of feel like, you know, they haven't added any other free agents. And even if you add another vet there, you know, you're probably looking at a placeholder, right? Sure. I mean, even if it's like a Sherman or some one of these other guys that's still floating around out there. You still gotta get your premium guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sold on on the cornerback veteran group, anyways. I mean, yeah. you talk about Richard Sherman and kind of those names don't get me as excited mm-hmm. as it normally would. I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you're better off getting a, a a third round pick or a fourth round pick rather than going and trying to spend, especially right now, whenever your salary cap is the way it is. You would have to probably restructure a contract before you went out and tried to get one of these these guys. Same thing with K.J. Wright. I would love K.J. Wright to be here. I think he's a good yeah. name. He would be a great influence on this defense. 
he's going to be a little bit too much. I, and I think, and I saw the, the report from Mike Fisher. I love Mike Fisher. Great guy. But he was saying that the Cowboys turned away KJ Wright. KJ Wright turned away the Cowboys before he stepped in the negotiation room because of the fact that his money is going to be way too much. He's trying to cash in mm-hmm. on a payday, which very he very much should because he's been a top-notch premium player at his position for the past 10 years. Sure. Yeah. But he's not going to get a. He's not going to go on a discount. If he were, sure, bring him here. Let's figure it out. We'll, we'll restructure somebody if we need to. But there's a couple of guys there. I think that that in the draft you would much better be off from not only a cap perspective but also maybe even a future perspective too. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I I totally agree with that point there, Kyle. But uh, guys, I think that's it for tonight's show. We do appreciate Kyle joining us. Thank you so much, Kyle. Man, I you know I know we we had talked offline before, and I was like, let me see if Kyle's available. You said yes, let's do it. I was like, oh man, we're gonna rock and roll. <laughs> so appreciate you very much, Kyle. If if they don't know where to find you, which I'd be shocked if they don't, where can they find you at, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, you've got it down here, uh, right there. I mean, even this name right here, if you type that in on Instagram or on Twitter, that's where I'm at. You've got my Twitter handle down there as well. But, yeah, I mean, not only you, Joe, but everybody in the comment section that spins their – I mean, what is this, Tuesday night, just thinking about Cowboys draft stuff. So happy for every one of you guys and and girls out there and and so thankful for you and and the support that I've had over the last year at at DallasCowboys.com. Can't wait to keep pushing out great content. And, Joe, I know you're going to keep throwing out great content as well. So subscribe to his channel. Be a part of the Cowboys Nation. Let's get this thing rolling and get this thing back on track. Absolutely. That's it, guys. Appreciate it, everybody. I'll see you for the next one. Peace, everybody.